want to talk to you tonight in the area of dealing with uh, discernment and demonization. And, uh, you know, the title of the message is simply this, uh, Staying Clear of Ministries That Smear. And what this means is you making a quality decision uh, to avoid the critical spirit and develop a discerning spirit. A discerning spirit and a critical spirit are not the same thing. And right now in the land, you have both of these going on in great measure. You have great discernment going on about what God is doing, people perceiving what God is doing. And at the same time, you have this other track where people are taking on a mantle and a spirit of criticism. And if you let that into your life, it's going to diminish everything that God has for you. But not only that, you will be guilty of leading other people down the wrong path as well. Turn to somebody and tell them, God hasn't called you to be the church critic. And by critic, I'm in capital C, capital church. I'm talking about the body of Christ as, as a whole, um, not necessarily a, a local body like ours, although obviously that happens as well. I want you to see in Acts chapter 5 for just a moment. Acts chapter 5. And I just want to uh, start around uh, verse uh, 28. You know, the apostles were teaching and preached in Jesus' name, and they were, of course, uh, apprehended. And in verse 27, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, that you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. Amen. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. I mean, you know, they're having a warm fuzzies right now about this time. <laughs> God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Now listen to this very carefully. Now a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the man be put outside for a little while. Then he to intend to do to these men. Anything, critical actions, critical mentions, critical words, this is the same mentality you should have as a child of God. Consider carefully what you intend to do. Consider carefully what you intend to say. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed as it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed. And all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. I want you to shout that out. Leave these men alone. Say it again. Leave them alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But listen to these words. But if it's from God... You will not be able to stop these men, number one. And number two, you will only find yourselves fighting against God. Amen. Now, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that you should be a critic of it or oppose it. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Now, that seems inconsistent, doesn't it? <laughs> then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Uh, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. How I many know they said they ought to obey God rather than men, and that's exactly what they did. Gamaliel's wisdom is be careful what you put your hand against or your mouth against because you may find yourself actually speaking or acting against God Himself. 
And you'll find out that God is a, is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The, the, you know, God is, is not reactionary. He's, he's loving. He's long-suffering in terms of how he deals with us. But I want you to understand that in the day we live in have popped up all these kinds of ministries that call themselves discernment or discerning ministries. And they purport to be the agency of policing the body of Christ for all manner of heresy and false doctrine and false prophets. The, the first thing you should know is there is no such ministry that God has called. That's the first thing you should know. So that's questionable as to why people would do this in the first place. I'm going to help you tonight if we get that far. <laughs> How to spot them. Amen. Not so that you can become a judge, because that is what? That's self-defeating, isn't it? For me to tell you to spot them is not so that you can judge everybody else, but to be on your guard. Because everybody in this room and everybody watching online, you have a destiny in God. You are part of a movement across the earth that is going to be the most outstanding move of God the, the earth has ever seen. And you want to find yourself on the wrong side of the hand of God when He's doing things and everybody is criticizing them. We should be praising God for what He does. Whether we are part of it or not, whether we've understood it or not, is immaterial. Does that make sense? Sometimes they're, they're called heresy hunters because that's their every living goal, every day. It's find somebody else that's preaching heresy. The sad thing is they don't even understand what heresy is, first of all. So I'll define that again for you tonight. But to understand this, they, they think that this is what they're called to do. And, uh, you know, police every pulpit, police every program. And it used to be that you had to have some kind of resources and money to actually have a voice, a platform in media. But with Facebook and with YouTube, you don't need much money to get your stuff out there. And I'm telling you right now, the airways are filled, the Internet is filled with people who call themselves discerning ministries or heresy hunters. And all they're doing is sowing ultimately strife and division in the body of Christ instead of doing what we're actually called to do. I don't endorse anything that's not scriptural. Don't get me wrong. At the same time, if you're not careful, that becomes really what you're all about instead of the main things we've been called to do and to be. So what is a heretic? A heretic is a believer or a teacher that deviates from orthodoxy. Say orthodoxy. Fancy word just means right believing. Orthopraxy is very similar to it in that it means right doing. Say it with me, right believing and right doing. And orthodoxy doesn't mean that everybody in the church of Jesus Christ is going to believe on every single doctrine the same way. There's some people who will believe God for things and they won't believe God for other things. There's some people that will value certain things and because they've been taught a certain way or against something else, they, they won't believe that. But just because you believe something somebody else won't believe does not make you a heretic. And simply because they refuse to believe it does not make them a heretic. What makes somebody a heretic, for example, is denying the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That would make somebody a heretic. Why? Because it violates the Word of God. It violates the teachings of Christ. It violates the plain teachings of the apostles and the early church fathers who codified these things. And you see, teaching that there was no virgin birth has implications for you and for me, doesn't it? If he's not born of a virgin, if he is not fully God and fully man, you and I are in our sins right now. That's right. Um, heresy that Paul dealt with is that the resurrection's already occurred, or there is no resurrection. You made it very plain. If there is no resurrection, you and I are without hope. We're done. You see, that, that would make you a heretic. Saying that Jesus is not God is heresy. Does that make sense to you today? Um, you know, Anything that is foundational, um, such as the Trinity, you know, understanding and the concept of the Godhead, uh, when you, you don't believe in these things, now you're flirting with heresy. But if you refuse to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that does not make you a heretic. If you refuse to believe in tongues or practice tongues, that doesn't make you a heretic. It makes you foolish. There's a difference. Why these things are there to empower you and to strengthen you. So if I teach on the baptism and I teach on why God gave tongues and why tongues are important for the believer and you believe that, you're not a heretic because you believe in something that Jesus told the disciples to wait for, that Paul practiced profusely. 
that Jude said would build you up in your most holy faith. You're not a heretic. Are you here today? For example, when you hear the phrase, word of faith, it conjures up all kinds of ideas. And it's just uh, part of what you would call the greater Pentecostal charismatic group of, of believers. Believe in the Holy Ghost, believe in the things of God, believe in the supernatural things, the spiritual gifts, etc. But in reality, the phrase comes from Romans 10, from the teaching and mouth of the Apostle Paul who taught people how to be saved. You remember the scripture? How can somebody be saved unless someone is sent? Does that make sense? So it's got to be preaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And this is what he said, and I want you to turn there real quickly, because this is just an example of how somebody will take something just because they don't see it exactly the same way and start calling people names and dividing the body of Christ over semantics. Raise your hand if you know that you're born again. Amen. Every single person just raised their hand. You got born again through the principle of the word of faith. And everybody in the history of mankind who's ever gotten saved got saved through the principle of the word of faith. Are you in Romans 10? Say, I'm in Romans 10. Say, I'm a believer. I'll just say this to you. be very weary of anybody out there in the body of Christ right now who's trying to divide and separate believers from other believers. God is a uniter. I said He is a uniter. Romans 10. And look at verse 5. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. In other words, if you don't keep the law, then you can't possibly be righteous. Aren't you glad you're under grace? (laughs) Aren't you glad that you're under the Lord tonight? But the righteousness that is of faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the deep that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message or word concerning faith or the word of faith that we proclaim. In other words, it's the message of what? Faith. This is how you are saved. There is no other way. God's grace allows this mechanism where we are justified. Amen. We are made righteous by. We are saved by faith. Shout it out. Say by faith. Say by what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. What does it say? I tend to think that Paul has a lot of authority in the church. Raise your hand if you think that Paul has a lot of authority in the church. How do you think that Paul has more revelation and authority than a YouTuber? <laughs> Me too. Or a guy on Facebook, just some crackpot with a video. Amen? Uh, I do too. And Paul said by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That's how people get saved and get everything attached to or associated with our salvation. Through what? The word in the heart and the word in the mouth. One mechanism for salvation and tapping into every benefit of our salvation. Um, He goes on to say this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So he just said heart and mouth, and then he followed up with what? If you declare with that mouth, and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. Soteriology. You will be whole. You will be sound. You will be made right. Through what? Through the word of faith, through the message of faith, the proclamation of faith. And how does that work? It works when the word is in your heart, and the word is what? Coming out of your mouth. Now, this is outstanding when you think about this, because you didn't earn your salvation. You don't earn your healing. You don't earn the Holy Ghost. You don't earn His provision. You don't earn His deliverance. You don't earn His goodness. You receive it. How? By faith. You, one day, just like me, I can remember 1982 when this happened to me, but one day I believed in my heart and I said with my mouth and my entire eternity was changed. 
And not just that, the trajectory of my life on this planet was changed. Amen. Watch this. To the outside observer, to the religious, that's nonsense. How could that possibly change everything about your life? Everybody in this room and watching online, everybody that's ever been born again, got born again through the word of faith because you had faith in your mouth and you had faith in your heart. I have an announcement to make. Every born-again Christian in the world is word of faith. That's right. Every single one of them. We're a happy big family, aren't we? Now, some are completely oblivious to this fact because sometimes they don't read the Bible. But Paul makes it plain who we are. We're faith people. Say, I'm a faith person. I'm not ashamed of that. You know, uh, and to move away from that is to, to miss out on the, the simplicity of the gospel, how this works. But here's the really cool thing. Everything else he promises in his word is obtained the same way. That's right. Through the message, through the word of faith. You find out you needed to deal with sin. You found out what you need to do to get born again. And you believed in your heart and you said with your mouth, find out what the Word says about healing, for example, and put it in your heart and release it with your mouth, and guess what? Yep. Powerful things happen. Yep. Any promise, anything that pertains to you know, your life and soteria or wholeness or shalom or soundness in every area of your life, that's what salvation actually is. It touches your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, and your spirit. And the first benefactor of that, of course, was your spirit. But it's also for your body. Amen. And if you think somebody told you God doesn't care about healing, then explain to me why he would make the resurrection of the dead such a priority in the end times. That's right. Why not just leave you a spirit being? Because the physical part of you was redeemed along with the rest of you. That's right. And once it's been purchased and bought back by Christ, it's valuable. Yes. Not this. Amen. People get all caught up in whether they should be buried this way or whether they should be cremated over here. Maybe they should be hung on a pyre and burned, whatever the case may be. Can I tell you something? That's not the flesh he's resurrecting. That's not exactly, you know, an accurate picture. Amen? It is. You know, you might as well just consider that body that's been laid down as an old raincoat. That's all it is. Amen? It's real. Everything you're going to receive is going to be received by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. Now, there are traditions that say that the membership is how you get saved and the grace of infant baptism is how you get saved. I'm not going to debate all that. The point is, I don't agree with believers or preachers or teachers calling out other ministers of the Gospels if they had authority and position to do so. It is not of God. In fact, it's demonic and it's satanic and it needs to stop. Amen. Get your mouth off of the men and women of God. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. Just because I don't agree with infant baptism doesn't mean I need to start calling out all the people that ever taught me that was true. That's right. I just need to do what? Do what I did in 1984. Go down to Kentucky Lake when the water was about 48 degrees. On, on Easter Sunday and get baptized. That's it. I never shot out of the water so fast in my entire life. I mean, I came out like a rocket, but guess what? I was baptized. That's it. I, was, I, was, I was baptized as an infant. Shouldn't that have taken? I don't remember it. You understand the difference there? <laughs> my point is, and I've said it a thousand times, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Let's practice that together. Chew the meat and spit out the bones. The modern critical spirit says, if there's a bone, then throw the entire meal out. They can't possibly have anything to teach us because I think they're an error on this. Are y'all okay on the Wednesday night Overcomers Club? Yeah. Because I don't serve much baby food on Wednesday night. No. no, no, no baby food going out tonight. No bottles being passed out. No little Gerber bibs. No. 
I don't want you being sucked into this stuff. You have absolutely no obligation to be a critical person. That's right. Discerning? Yes. You start choking on the bone, then guess what? Don't keep chewing. Spit it out. But don't make that a crusader of vendetta. That's not your call. <laughs> the word is near you. Thank God he explained this. In your heart and in your mouth. For it's with your heart you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We got saved because of our mouth. Raise your hand if you ever used your mouth in other ways. Yeah. Watch this. <laughs> This is exactly why I won't get through this message tonight. <laughs> but it's okay. There'll be another Wednesday. Amen. <laughs> How is this for everybody's theology out there when you think about uh, three men on a cross, right? One didn't do anything wrong. And the other two were what? At least guilty of theft, possibly the you know, possibility of one being an insurrectionist, a murderer. And um, that thief heard the one thief railing on Jesus, and what did he do? He basically rebuked him and said, we are here because we deserve to be here. This guy is a whole different story. And what does he do? He turns to Jesus and says this. He turns to Jesus and says what? He turned to Jesus and what? Said something. Remember me when you enter and what? And what did Jesus say to him? That's not how you do it. I've got to pull you down here and I've got to preach to you and you've got to say the sinner's prayer and I've got to get you baptized. You've got to come to church. You've got to start serving. You've got to start tithing. Did he do any of that? No. He said, truly, today you will be with me in paradise. The first, amen, soul to come in to the kingdom post-crucifixion was this thief who did nothing theologically correct except for one thing. Somewhere on that cross he started to believe that this was the real deal. This was the king of Israel. This was the Lord. And what else did he do? The only thing that we can track that he did that would justify Jesus being able to say that because Jesus, I mean, is not a liar and he's not going to violate the word, especially on something so important. We know that somewhere along the line he believed and we know somewhere along the line that he said. That man's eternity was changed in an instant. And it basically fits with no modern theology of salvation anywhere in the world. It should. In other words, we should be adjusting our theology to the truth instead of to religion. You know that uh, until the 1800s, there wasn't even a thing called an altar call. How do people get saved? If you look carefully at high churches and the architecture, no common person was allowed to go in that altar area, first of all. So how did they get saved? For the first 1,800 years after, salvation, after the you know, crucifixion and resurrection, they got saved by what? Believing in their heart and saying with their mouth. Revivalists began to rise up, and, and I think it's a good thing because, I mean, you know, just like Sunday, powerful things happen when people step out in faith as a point of contact yeah. to seek the Lord. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. The symbolism of Abraham and how he built altar after altar to seek the Lord. How on the altar things go there to what? To die and to be sacrificed. All that symbolism is important. So it's, it's not a big deal, but just remember that it's not the, the altar itself physically. It's the person believing in their heart. And saying with their mouth. Yeah. Say it with me. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. We, believe we believe in our heart, in our heart. And, we say and we say with our mouth. With our mouth. That's, how we That's how we operate. 
forgiveness, salvation, righteousness, healing, deliverance, provision, you know, guidance, everything you need is going to come what? Believing in your heart <laughs> and saying with your mouth. But you'll hear people that will just, you know, rail on the principle of the authority of the believer in terms of what they say with their mouth. Oh, you know, those blab it and grab it bunch and that name it and claim it bunch. All you're hearing is rank ignorance of the Word of God. So don't judge them either and get all huffy and puffy about it. Just say, you know what? Uh, how many remember a time when you were just like that? Nobody wants to. How many you raise your hand and say, I have been stupid before? Spiritually, theologically, stupid. I was, I was pastoring at the time, very young in the ministry, and I was watching TV programming. Uh, I actually uh, you heard uh, you know, Brother Copeland teach this. Uh, he was teaching about the widow's might. And how many you know the widow was a Hebrew? And she would have grown up in her church structure, amen, not our church structure, hearing stories about the saints of old. And she would have heard about what God did for a little widow woman who was in debt up to her ears. Or the widow woman who's going to make a cake, yep. right? And that we're going to have this with my son and we're going to die because we're in the middle of this famine. And she would have heard the story about how the prophet came and said, no, 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 first make a cake for me. Amen. And CNN would love to get a hold of that story. <laughs> prophet takes last cake from widow woman and child, film at 11. Can you believe that horrible preacher would do something like that? Um, but she obeys. She does what God tell, told her to do. And the, the text actually implies that God had already spoken to her before the prophet came. Yep. So he was the confirming word, not the originating word to her. But the point is she obeyed and she did that. But fast forward to a widow woman has nothing but a couple of mites. She walks up to the box and she throws in what? Everything, Everything she had. And I heard this and other men and women of God say that she did that trusting God to increase her and meet her needs. And I'm going to tell you that five levels of religion rose up out of me. She gave that because she just loved God. Come to find out, you and I one day will get to know what the Lord did for her. But the point is, he was watching the treasury and caught his attention. And here I am in Murray, Kentucky, still talking about her. You see this? We know what her context was, so we know what she was believing. But raised in a Western Sunday school, we don't have a clue. And in reality, there's no way that Jesus saw that and left her in her carnal and temporal misery. How many can agree with that? There's no way. He just turned. My only question is, when he turned to the treasurer, how mad he made Judas when he said, go give this woman some money. <laughs> go take care of her. Love to hear the rest of that story. Amen. This is a lot easier for us just to, to walk in love. And, amen. Hang loose and travel light like Brother Osteen used to preach. Don't get into everybody's business. and Don't be everybody's critic and judge. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm called to love you, not to judge you. Tell them I'm called to love you and not criticize you. I'm just blazing through this message. Is it really 7.54? All you people giving them testimonies, you took up all my time tonight. <laughs> no, I appreciate hearing them. You know, years ago it was criticized Rick Warren because of his purpose-driven life and purpose-driven church, you know, paradigm. He didn't do it like everybody else did, you know, in the particular organization that he was in. And then recently, that same church, Saddleback, started letting women teachers teach in the church. And actually, the Southern Baptist Convention has disfellowshipped Saddleback Church. After all this man of God and that church has done to bless the body of Christ. Now, I could explain to you why God ordains and uses women biblically and how you balance the message of what Paul said with the message of accountability and having authority in that, in that particular situation. But, but the bottom line is that's religion making that kind of decision. Amen. Uh, how many know God will use somebody? It's hard to explain how God would use a donkey, but he won't use a woman. <laughs> Moving right along. Now think about it. And uh, <laughs> you'll get your brain. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. Let's all just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. 
prayed all the But let's criticize him. Uh, we are the office of criticism in the body of Christ. We know. Then there was, I mean, no sooner had the Asbury revival broke out than everybody in the grandmother from coast to coast who has that little religious critical spirit are saying, this can't be of God. This is not the way it's supposed to be done. Those people don't believe everything like we believe. They're supposed to do this and this and it's out of order. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost rarely asks our permission. <laughs> and even cares if we think it's in order or not. And if it bothers you, you probably are going to be in shock and awe in this place because the Holy Ghost is always in order. It's men and women that get out of order. Amen. How about thanking God for hundreds and hundreds of students? And last I heard, dozens and dozens of nations have been impacted by this thing. Revivals have broken out on campuses, Christian and secular. Through a few kids deciding to stay, 17 of them, after a chapel message that was based on walking in the genuine and authenticity of the love of God. We should be the ones saying, praise God. Those young people will never be the same. Not, they don't do this right and it's not from us, so it can't be from God. Hillsong has had issues. But they have blessed the body of Christ and taken it to a level of worship it had never been before. We should be thanking God for what He did. Amen. Today, still, all over the world, the songs of praise are being sung. We should be thankful for that. You see somebody in trouble having a hard time, pray for them. Don't get your little YouTube channel out and start slamming everybody and criticizing everybody by name. Don't you put their names in your mouth. That's right. God didn't, you didn't, listen, you didn't call them, God called them. That's right. You thank God for them. What's amazing is when we do stuff like this and stand on the platform of being the critic instead of the discerner, say it with me, a discerning spirit, not a critical spirit, we present ourselves as we've arrived and we're perfect. God help you if somebody goes behind your curtain. That's right. It's very popular today to criticize Bethel and Bill Johnson. Bethel has done in the past 10 years what Hillsong did in the previous couple decades. You can't find a church Sunday morning anywhere in this country that's not singing a song. It's the evangelical or spirit-filled church that didn't come from that ministry. Well, are they perfect? No, that's not the point. I don't know how many songs. There are a lot of them that we sing in this church. I mean, thank God for the move of the Holy Ghost on the psalmist in our generation. Apparently, we need to be worshiping to these things and worshiping God according to His will. But God didn't call us to go around criticizing the ministry and the people playing the music and writing the songs and the senior pastor. Are they perfect? Of course not. Do you know that God knew those pastors were not perfect when he called them? This will shock you. Did you know that God knew that I wasn't perfect when God called me? (gasps) Unacceptable. Now a couple of you are like, no, I knew that a long time ago. (laughs) Looking for a perfect ministry, a perfect minister? You might as well go on, give up the ghost, and go on to be with heaven. Because guess what? They're not here. He's already there. And until he comes back here, there is no example of that. I've always respected uh, uh, Brother Johnson because he is a kindred spirit to me. I've never got to fellowship with him, never got to meet him. You know, and I've really never even talked about this as I know publicly or really even privately. But in, in the Holy Ghost, He's really a kindred spirit. He lives and dwells and, and stays in the Spirit of God, in the, in, you know, in the presence of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. He, he is a Holy Ghost man. Yes, he is. And so he's being interviewed, and somebody was talking to him about all the criticism Bethel gets and, and all the criticism that's leveled to him personally. And he said these words, he said, how do you deal with this stuff? The constant criticism. You know, it should be is constant encouragement. Most of you are discerning enough to know that even you living for God's a hard thing in this world. That ministry is not easy. You should be praying for people that serve you. 
That was pretty weak. I got a couple of head nods and one that's right. Amen. So I'm going to try that. You ought to be praying for the people that serve you because ministry is not easy and it's harder than ever in the world that we live in. And the guy's like, well, you know, how do you, how do you, in other words, he was just got flabbergasted. How could you, I couldn't put up with this. How could you possibly deal with this? Never stopping criticism. And this is what he said. He said, well, I, I take the fi top five ministries that, that, that may be their target. And he said there are about five big, well-known ministries. A couple of them worldwide, you know, three of them national ministries that just continue to criticize me. And this is what he said. He said, and I go and I start praying for each one of them by name. And he said, I, I pray that God would give them peace and bless the ministry and bless them physically and financially and bless their wives and bless their kids. And in the middle of doing this, the man broke down in tears, describing how instead of getting vindictive, he's praying according to what Jesus said. Amen. Pray for your enemies. The problem is they shouldn't be enemies. They're brothers. Brother May, I don't know if you heard this or not. Brother Copen used to say that one time he was praying and seeking God, and the Holy Ghost broke in. The Father spoke to him and said, You know what the biggest problem is in the body of Christ is? And the man of God said, Well, I've heard several versions of this. <laughs> and he said, The Father told him, It's your dogged determination to correct one another. He said, I'm the Father, I'll do the correcting. That does not diminish spiritual leaders' responsibility to correct, as Paul said, Timothy, people in the faith, in their ministry. Does that make sense? And so it just, uh, it just made me appreciate him all that much more that here, instead of getting mad and vindictive and bitter and lashing out and rebuking them, he just said, I pray for God's best for their lives. You know what that tells me? It tells me his critics are out to lunch, and Bill Johnson is exactly on the path he should be on. Because he's the one with the Christ-like spirit, a discerning spirit. Amen? A lot of it out there. Um, any of the people that are prominent in, in preaching the uncompromised Word of God, and, uh, you'll see them attack Jesse DePais and Jerry you know, Savelle and you know, Dennis Burke and Mac Hammond and, and Keith Moore and, and uh, Dr. Barkley. You'll see them attack all those people. Um, Dr. Barkley says, when people criticize you, don't give them any headspace. In fact, he said this, you know, at the ministry conference, and Cammie mentioned this as well, that, uh, you know, what they say about you is none of your business. Your business is how you're going to respond to it. Nobody's going to talk ugly about me. I'm perfect. No, they do. And unfortunately, some of those people are so-called believers. Amen. Chosen came out, and you wouldn't believe the outcry from the, the office of the critic out there. And I say office of the critic with, amen, great sarcasm. <laughs> and uh, is it perfect? No. no. In the context of talking to you about healing, there are things in there that I wish they had done a little bit better. But in terms of a vessel to making Christ real to people that have never had Christ real to them before, yes. it's a godsend. Amen? Do I want people to get healed? Yeah, but I want them to go to heaven more than I want them to get healed. You see what I'm saying to you? And it's just, it's always the same bunch. Instead of a cloud of witnesses, it's a cloud of critics. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't join the cloud. Amen? <laughs> Stay out of it. The Jesus revolution. The movement of God. You know? Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie and and, you know, the protagonist in, in the movie. You know, this, this young hippie that came down from San Francisco. Not perfect. Can I tell you something? His imperfection does not change what God did. The move of God that went from coast to coast because of what God chose to do through some hippie who just hitchhiked from San Francisco down to, down to the L.A. area. Don't ever underestimate a long-haired hippie with a, amen, with a mission from God. But they don't do like we do it, and they teach this charismata. You know, I don't know if you know this. How many of you seen the Jesus Revolution? I do encourage you to go see it so you can support yeah. 
something that has been impactful and, and true. But here's the thing that's not really talked about. Just a little bit is demonstrated in the movie. This was a full-blown Pentecostal charismatic revival that took place. The gifts and baptisms of the Holy Ghost like you can't believe. I mean, he was baptizing entire rooms filled with people in those meetings. Did you hear what I said? Roomfuls of people. That really wasn't talked about. Well, you know, that's so unlike us. You know, we, we just, that stuff has passed away. It's not for today. I'm sorry. Too late. I didn't get the memo. Well, you know, you know, speaking in tongues, oh, that's of the devil. Really? I served the devil for 17 years and never uttered one word in tongues. You would think that I'd been proficient. Listen, some of y'all should have been really proficient the way you serve the devil. And yet you didn't utter a syllable. And all of a sudden you get saved, turned on for God, ask God to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. He does, you speak in tongues, and that's of the devil. No, it's not of the devil, it's of God. And everybody in the early church was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and all of them spoke in tongues. There was no embarrassment, there was no society, you know, church society that kind of marginalized them. Amen. Look at somebody and say, have a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. Joe Osteen is everybody's favorite person to punch on. Well, it's just like, what you don't understand is that the only thing that's different about Joe and his dad is that his style is different. The word permeates everything he says. But Pastor Art, he just smiles entirely too much. Yeah. He smiles more than a used car salesman. I just, I just don't know about that. Would you prefer mean preaching and frowns all the time? Well, that's just a put on. Talk to Tammy Priest about this, who has known Joel and that family, I mean, for decades. Uh, Renee Branson was Brother Osteen's secretary for years, is still working for Lakewood. They've been best friends for decades. Somebody who knows the ministry, uh, he smiled like that forever. They say he came out of his mother's womb smiling like that. <laughs> but that can't possibly be of God. Again, he is reaching a generation that was never reached before, who are hopeless. Who are you to judge another man's servant? You didn't call him. Watch. You didn't call him so you don't get to mandate the type of ministry he has. Let me try that one more time. You didn't call them. So therefore, you don't get to dictate the kind of ministry he presents. Listen to me. Hundreds come to Christ every single week. His critics probably don't see that in a lifetime of ministry. Amen. Well, you know, I just can't agree with everything. You don't have to. Amen. Be a discerning believer. Amen. Spit out a bone if you find a bone in anybody's ministry. Amen. When I first came here, I thought about putting a bucket out there so people could spit them out. <laughs> Deposit your bones right here. You know, when I was in Hopkinsville, I'm, I'm not really all that thrilled with some of the things I preached over there. And, you know, somehow when we moved from in the city to the county, all those tapes disappeared. I don't know what happened to them. They're just gone. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, and some of the things you said when you were baby Christians, you wanted to be lost as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T.D. Jakes, well, he's this, and he's that, and he's this, and he's that. You know, it's so great. Listen to me carefully, right? Seriously. It's so great just to be a Christian, to appreciate people and what God is doing in them, receive what you can, and don't have to be the judge. No, that's right. Amen. But you mentioned T.D. Jakes in the wrong circles. <laughs> Can I have him help you out here? He doesn't care. <laughs> doesn't care. You think that uh, it was easy for Joyce Meyer to do what she's doing? To talk about facing headwinds in every direction. I really don't think she cares. Assigned by God. To be a voice. The number of women that she has led out of bondage 
with that anointing and that teaching gift, we can't even calculate. And a lot of men too. Yeah. Amen. There's some traditions that would say, well, there's no woman that can teach us anything. You know? And, uh, and you know, several years ago, I told you about this when Kelly was up to preach and, and she wasn't preaching out of the King James Bible. A man just made his effort outside the, the building. And one of our members hold the door from him and said, have a nice day as you leave. <laughs> uh, which is more important, hearing the Word of God, respecting the Word of God, or getting all put out because you don't like the messenger or the version that they're using? Say it with me. Hang loose, Hang loose. and travel light. travel light. You can enjoy ministry in Jesus' name from a wide variety of sources. Yes. Amen. Yes. Be a discerning spirit, but don't be a critical spirit. You just move on. Amen. She's taking her hits. Her tenacity is impressive. Amen. And important to the body of Christ. Well, God, you know, our denominational handbook says that God can't use somebody like that. You know, God probably didn't reference your handbook when he raised her up. You know? That's what Summerall used to say all the time. You know, God will start doing something and then men will build a box. And then the Holy Ghost will jump out of that box. And then men will build another box around it. And then he'll, and you know, he's always done this. And he'll jump out of your box too if you create one. Amen. And uh, as, a, as a movement, you have been criticized, ostracized, marginalized. You've had numerous people raise their eyebrows at you through the years as Pentecostals and Charismatics and Word people. That's okay. Hey, this stuff been going on from day one. When they were baptized in the Holy Ghost in the upper room, they came stumbling out, you know, drunk on the Holy Ghost. And what's the first thing people started doing? Mocking them. Pastor, I don't like people mocking me. You go to that Pentecostal church. You go to that charismatic church. You go to that word church. I don't like to be mocked. They've been mocking us for 2,000 years. Can I tell you something though? God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall they also reap. Just because somebody mocks something doesn't make it true. And doesn't make it false. Amen. Well, the word tells you whether it's true. Amen. So don't be ashamed of who you are. Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God and the salvation to them that believe. What's their message? We're the only ones who do it right. The rest of you are wrong, and because you're wrong, we should devalue you completely and do everything we can to influence people away from you. Why do I bring this up? Because it's the critical spirit that is the demonized in our land right now. Pulling people off their destiny, shielding them from things that would absolutely transform their lives. Very much like the Pharisees. Ministry is... Service rendered in the name of the Lord. Say that it will be rendered in the name of the Lord. Criticism, tearing down the work of the Christ, is not ministry. Do you see this? That propensity didn't come from the Word. That propensity didn't come from the church. Where did this propensity to tear down and criticize everything come from? It came from the world. Uh-huh. Inside Edition, National Enquirer, Jerry Springer, oh, oh, the, view. the View. That's how they do it. And now people in the body of Christ say, okay, so we're going to do that, but we're going to do it in the church round. And we're going to make fun of everybody. We're going to lampoon everybody. We're going to criticize everybody. That didn't come from the Word. It didn't come from the Holy Ghost. There are people out there on YouTube, and they literally are the Jerry Springer of the church world. God help them if one day they're the butt of somebody's joke. Amen. And I'm telling you right now that God is not in a mood for mocking going on. Eventually, there comes a, 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 you know, a bowling point, and a, and a wall is hit. Or is a comedian that she's bragging, I had... Uh, I had this vax, and I had that vax, and I got the boosters, and I got the booster for the booster, and I got, I got the flu shot, and I got the, you know, I got the, the you know, what's the, the thing that comes on you that when you're 50-something years old? If you had 
shingles. I had the shingles back and just bragging. And then we know it wasn't bragging about Jesus. She was mocking the whole time in her thing, the things of God. Then all of a sudden she says to be funny, Jesus must love me the best, must love me the most. You know what happened next? In a live performance, down on her back in front of everybody. God cannot be mocked. And that's what that critical thing is. You don't have to be that. You can discern something right from wrong, truth from error, through ministry, what? The Spirit of God, discerning spirits, right? And by general discernment through the Word of God. But you don't have to be somebody that's running around criticizing and mocking everybody. That's, right. that's not who you are. No. Come on, say, that's not who we are. Say, that's not who I am. The Pharisees had a very famous ministry of smear against Jesus. Aren't you a Samaritan? Don't you have a demon? He says, I am not. I'm summoning with a demon. But you dishonor me. You dishonor my father. That's that spirit. But not all of them are that way. Nicodemus wasn't that way. He was a seeker, not a smear. We know that Joseph of Arimathea was a seeker. We also know at the end of the day that Gamaliel was still what? A seeker giving out wise counsel not to oppose the things of God. Your job is to continue being a seeker, not somebody that smears or sneers. Recognize God will take care of things. You don't think God can't take care of his people? He can. Amen. Listen to this in Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Everybody say flesh, that's what this is. Rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what he says, Paul says, if you bite and devour each other. Was he literally talking about them biting each other? No, he was talking about them running their mouths against each other. You bite and devour each other, watch out, and you'll be destroyed by each other. Why is what I'm saying so important? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that's why we say Proverbs chapter 4, 18 through 22. You know what? Be on guard. Amen. Watch what's going into your heart out of the, out of the, you know, out of the heart flow of the issues of what? Life. So what's going on in the ear gate in the eye gate, and what's coming out of your mouth, because it will impact ultimately what you believe and what happens to you in terms of your destiny. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was my introduction. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. So how many like just a couple of these ways to discern, amen, if you're dealing with a critical spirit? Again, if they are, you just pray for them like Bill Johnson does. The biggest one, because it flies in the face of the supreme command of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your, and your flesh. And your, your flesh. Spirit. Your spirit. And the second one is the same unto it. Amen. Love your neighbor as yourself. as yourself. And Paul used that very verse when he said, don't be biting and devouring each other. The first one is this. They, they lack something. The critical spirit lacks nine vital things. And we'll be here till 11 o'clock tonight, but we'll go through every one of them. Praise the Lord. No. Number one, lacking love. One of the first messages I ever taught this church was to obey the pure speech test of Ephesians where the Bible says, let no unwholesome communication come out of your mouth. Well, I'm a watchdog. I've had people tell me that through the years. I'm a watchdog. I'm an investigator. No, I'm not. You're, you're a critic and you're bound up is what you are. I'm a watchdog. I'm an investigator. No, you're not. Because God hasn't assigned you to do that. What he has assigned you to do is to love. So if I'm a watchdog, I'm a rough, I'm an investigator, then I have the right to have ungodly communication come out of my mouth. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you're a believer and you should fall under and subject to the word of God. But only that which is helpful. For what? The building of others up. Amen. What? To, to edify, to build them up, to actually encourage them and strengthen them not tear them down. So the criticism out there that's running on a dual track, there is a discerning spirit going on. People are discerning what's going on and there's this critical thing going on. That kind of thing violates the pure speech test. And so I, I sum that up early in teaching by telling people to build up or shut up. Come on, shut it up. Build up, build up. or shut up. shut up. 
even if you're a so-called watchdog, build up or or shut up. Amen. Why? Because they're elevating doctrine over love. We have never been told by their perfect doctrine you'll know they're my disciples. John 13.35 NLT says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. People have used that scripture to come after us because we didn't agree with things like, you know, same-sex marriage or all kinds of radical wokeism and things that violate God's word. Uh, why? Uh, why is that not true? Because it's not loving the world that says we're authentic. It's loving each other that shows the world we're authentic. Now watch this. If there's something going on in your life and it's detrimental, I, I will consider coming to you. Be honest with you, most people in the modern body of Christ do not receive correction. It goes straight from correction to offense very, very quickly. But there's an obligation in the preaching and teaching and personal interaction to preach the truth, to teach, to correct with all authority. That's part of what it means to be a pastor. But I don't have the right to go down to First Baptist and stand up and start correcting those people over there at that level. Anybody tell me why? And there are people that I'm submitted to that have an absolute right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people in this ministry. There are people in the body of Christ. If I got a call from Dr. Balky tomorrow, I wouldn't say, you have no right or authority to do that. Well, personally, you don't know this, but many years ago, Kelly and I gave him that right and entrance into our lives to speak into our lives. So he has every right and authority to do that. And by coming here, you've given what? You've given that right and authority to people watch over your souls, amen, and help you out. But what these people are doing, they're not doing that. And guess what? They're not doing it in the church. Even where the Bible says that do not receive an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses, that's the Bible it says if they persist in their sin, then rebuke them, what? In front of all, in front of the church, that local body. Yeah. These people do this on public airwaves. Completely inconsistent with the word of God. Just like the world. Just like the view. Just like Jerry Springer. All that trash out. And that's what the world sees of the church. Biting and devouring each one instead of loving each other. And then we wonder why we can't take this nation for Jesus? Because we choose to separate on things that don't matter rather than unifying on the core of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn us to by and tell them, be a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. It's by our love for one another. It's not our love for the world that proves that we are. Christians. That's a huge misconception. Should we love people? Yeah. Enough to tell them what? The truth. Speak the truth in love is what Paul said. Amen. You want another one? Yeah. <laughs> Say, well, I have a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. Come on, say a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. It is very, very simple. You know, today, if I hear anything that just goes crosswise, well, I know the Word of God says, I'll just say, praise the Lord. And I say, bless their hearts. And I move on. Amen. Now, you can pray for people. Yes, amen. But you know what I find? And here's the really sad part. I can't find hardly anybody in the modern body of Christ that I disagree with more than 2, 3, 4, 5%. You think about that. Cross-denominational lines are 95% of the things that I agree with them on. And these people are elevating what? The very few things that people disagree over. Yeah. You can see why the love of God is so important there. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> Number 25. <laughs> 
Now, this would be a good place for us to, to leave on as far as a good word here. Uh, lacking revelation. That's all this really is. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Matthew 16, when, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, what did Jesus say? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, and upon this rock, not Peter the flesh man, but upon the rock of revealed knowledge, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church itself is built on revelation knowledge. When I say lack of revelation, I mean they don't see something or understand something, so it has to be heresy. Just because you don't have a revelation on something doesn't mean it's heresy. You don't have revelation on the Holy Ghost, that doesn't make it heresy for it to be preached. You don't have revelation on tithing and giving, that doesn't mean that I'm a heretic because I do. There's a lot of this in the body of Christ right now. And it's, it's just a matter of them opening up their hearts to receive from God. Amen. And then move on. Here's what God is saying to us right now. We all need to doubt our theological infallibility. All of us. Come on, say it. I doubt my theological infallibility. I'm telling you, some of them YouTubers would swallow their tongue trying to say that. They've arrived. <laughs> Guess what? You're not infallible. But you could possess revelation someone else doesn't have. That doesn't make you superior. It should make you prideful. But it doesn't make you a heretic because you have it. How I many thank God laying on of hands for the healing of the sick is real? Amen. They should lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Critics of us say things like, well, you know, when the perfect comes, you know, these things will pass away like tongues and interpretation that gives to the Spirit. They see that the printing of the Word of God is perfect. Can I tell you something? The English version you have does not have the same authority as the original languages. You should understand that. That should not be a mystery. And yet, there is no doctrinal division between what we have as an English version and the earliest manuscripts. It's an absolute miracle of God. But understand this. Say it with me. I'm with you. I understand this. I'm getting this. You and I can see things in this Word. Our eyes can be open to it. Other people's eyes are closed to it. That does not make us great. And it does not make us a heretic on the other side of this thing. Are you here today? Things like the baptism, gifts, the power of words, walking by faith, the authority of the believer. Um, Amen. Say it with me. I have a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. I have a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I doubt your theological infallibility. I doubt my theological infallibility. Say it. I doubt my. Come on, everybody. I doubt my theological infallibility. Keeps you humble, doesn't it? Amen. If you find yourself being critical, just repent of it. It's not a life sentence. Amen. But do stop it. Amen. How many of y'all remember Bob Newhart? How many old enough to remember Bob Newhart? Some of you, the younger ones, saying Bob Newhart. Yeah, I, I know. I don't remember him at all. <laughs> He used to do a sketch where he was a psychiatrist. And a lady would come in and he would try to treat the lady. And he said, sit down and of course, uh, what's your problem? And she says, I have a fear of being buried in a box. And he'd write it down. I have a fear of, so your problem is you have a fear of being buried in a box. And uh, yes, uh, so doctor, what's, what's your counsel? And here's what's his counsel. Stop it. Look at somebody and tell them, stop it. Just stop being critical because that is not of the Lord. How many of Jesus could have just absolutely ripped them up if that was the mission to criticize everything everybody was doing? Sinner as well as Pharisee. And he was strong with the Pharisees because he was dealing with what? Their critical spirit. 
Amen. But uh, be, uh, be open to what God is doing, but be discerning. And how can you tell something's of God or not? But if you find that what you believe in lines up with the Word, don't you back down for nothing. Don't you back down on the promises of God in your life. You stand upon the Word of God like you never have before. Amen? Can you receive this today? Amen. I mean, give the Lord a hand clap and thank Him for it. Amen. Come on, shout it out. I doubt my theological infallibility. I choose to walk in discernment and not criticism. I refuse to put my mouth on any servant of God. I didn't call them. I'm not in charge of them. That's God's business. I can discern what is taught. I can receive or reject, but I'm not called to criticize. In fact, I encourage you strongly when somebody's around you cutting on somebody in the body of Christ, just simply say, you know what, that's not our business. You feel strongly about something, you pray for them. But I'm not going to hang around while you chew on somebody, bite and devour somebody just because you don't see everything the same way they do. That critical spirit is a, is a destroying spirit. It'll destroy the people around it. And listen to me, it will destroy the people that follow it. So I don't care what kind of pressure is being put on you to go down that path. You resist steadfast to the faith. You be your delightful self. Amen? Amen. Just full of love and full of grace. You have a much happier life. Amen. Victorious. Uh, we don't need more YouTubers. Amen. Don't need another video on Facebook telling everybody how they're doing it wrong. Amen. You know what I find? This is going to shock you that I find that most of what's going on across the body of Christ is right. People emphasizing prayer. People emphasizing the end times. Amen. But if you're not careful, all you listen to is everything those folks are doing wrong, and those folks are doing wrong, and those folks are doing wrong, and they're doing the same thing. And half the time, they don't even represent what they think the doctrine is in the first place correctly. There's a guy that uh, got on the air, and he said... Uh, now, Charismatics, he said, let me explain to you this group of Charismatics and what they do. Charismatics believe, he's real dogmatic, Charismatics believe that you have to set your mind aside because your mind has nothing to do with informing your faith or your Christian walk. I've been in this, I, was, I, I became a Charismatic in 1982. I've never heard one person say that somehow you're not supposed to be thinkers. I have heard, renew your mind. I have heard, amen, cast down every vain imagination. I have, I have heard bring every thought into captivity. Yep. You see what I'm saying to you? These critics need to actually find a charismatic. Mm-hmm. If they're going to go out and criticize it, go out and find one first and find out if what you're saying is even the truth. The other one was picking on fundamentalists. Let me tell you what those people are. Those people that believe something without any valid reason to believe it. No, that's not true. They believe things because the Word of God tells them, and they won't move off of those things. They're inflexible. They're fundamentals because they believe that. Amen. There's just no end to this. So say it with me. I'm called to bless and not criticize. Amen. Say it one more time. I am not theologically infallible. And if you're married, your spouse knows that. Amen. Praise the Lord.